Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Church, call me Bella, because they don't know me as Pastor Phyllis, and I like that. So I like to be called Bella more than I like to be called Pastor Phyllis. Pastor Phyllis is passing away. (laughs) Bella is emerging. (laughs) I love being a grandmother. Uh, Unless you're a grandmother, you have no idea that grandmothering is, oh my goodness, it's everything that everybody says that it's cracked up to be. Yes, it is the most fabulous thing. I enjoy my grandchildren so much. They are medicine to me and my husband. We have four unbelievable grandchildren. My oldest is 19, and the youngest is four. And they're just, I love them. So um, so a couple of things that I want to tell you. First of all, my heart was really moved this morning as you opened up the service praying for the nation. And we have been um, in in Bolivia, South America, for 33 years. And right now, that country is in turmoil. If our news doesn't really show what's really happening there. But the other thing that nobody gets to see or know about that I want to share with you this morning is that country is in chaos. They are trying to overthrow the president who's been the president there for 20-plus years. He's a dictator. He's moving the entire country into communism. And the people have just rebelled against the government and so he shut down the whole nation no cars no buses no schools he shut down every business the whole nation is shut down so the people have gotten on their bicycles and they gather around the centers of the city and they're sending me pictures there are thousands I mean, Pastor Rick, more than I can imagine, are on their knees crying out to God in the city squares. God save our nation. And that's happening all over Bolivia. We have churches in Santa Cruz. We have churches in Cochabamba. We have churches in Sucre. And they're all sending us photos. This is what our town square looks like. It's like just a, 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 just a myriad of people on their knees crying out to God. It doesn't matter if they're Catholics, Baptists, Pentecostals. It doesn't matter. Everybody is praying together. Revival is on its way. Let me tell you, could you imagine if we could do that here in the United States? Could you imagine how we could turn our nation around for Christ? That gave me so much encouragement and hope. It really did. So I wanted to share that with you because keep praying. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. Even though we don't, might not see anything yet. Let's keep praying because God is on the move. God is on the move and something really is happening, not just here, but throughout the world. It really is. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about spicy marriage, spicy, spicy, connect group, spicy, okay? Because let me tell you, I've been married for 44 years. It is so hot and spicy now, I cannot even tell you. (laughs) So... Yesterday, for all of you who are married under 10 years, what can I say? The spicy group has it together because I, I, I love being married and I love my husband. And yes, yeah, so yesterday I had the privilege of going to Jacksonville and sitting with a group of young people and, uh, and took them through three, four hours of an intense marriage course that we kind of consolidated like all, and they were so hungry for the word of God. And I was like, my husband said to me when I came home, I, it was very spur of the moment, and uh, he said, how'd it go? I said, it was awesome to be in an atmosphere where young people were so hungry for the truth of the word of God. And so I really enjoyed that. So I love seeing marriage groups because strong families make strong churches. Okay, so working on our families to keep them strong is one of the most important things that we can do. Amen? Okay, so I'm ready. Uh, You know, give me something. 12 o'clock? Okay, so put it in overdrive. (laughs) 
if we have to get done by 12 o'clock, okay? Because I want to share, this is, when I was thinking about this this morning, I told my husband, I said, I think this is the best word God ever gave me, ever. But of course, I do say that every time God gives me a word. But I think that this is really true because I've taught this a lot, and every time I teach it, I get so moved in my spirit and in my heart because I'm living this I have been living it, and I'm in the process of living this right now. So uh, you've heard my husband. You know he's a profound teacher of the Word of God. He really is. I don't think there's anybody better than him except for my son is really, really, really good. And so I live in a house of scholars, and I am not a scholar, and I love that I'm not a scholar. So this morning I'm going through my notes one more time, and we're sitting having coffee, and I said, "Uh, I don't have the scripture reference. So I said it, and he said to me, what, what do you think? You could just push a button and I know the scripture? Yes. I said, yeah. He said, well, I think it's John five nineteen, Just like that, you know, push the button. So he said, but you better check it. I know, no, you check it. I'm asking you. That's why I asked you. I don't want to spend the time doing that. And he goes, <laughs> it's true. And he says, yeah, it's John five nineteen. So my son's the same way. If there's like a word, yesterday I needed Hebrew words and Greek words and I needed the meaning and Strong's wasn't giving me what I needed, so they read all these other books that I don't want to read. And so I call them and say, what does this mean? What's the, what's the deep? And they're like both of them. They're just like, da, da, da. Robert texts me, but Fred talks to me about it. And it's like, I love it. A couple of years ago, I did a teaching on, you know, the spiritual um, gifts, you know, and I thought I was a teacher. And I realized I'm not a teacher at all. I realized I'm not a teacher. I live in a house of teachers, but I'm not a teacher because teachers live and love just to spend a gazillion hours dissecting everything. And I thought, well, that's kind of good, but I like it better when I can just go push the button. They tell me what I need. I put it in my notes. I didn't do It's great, right? So I'm an exhorter. And I'm here to exhort you on the word of God this morning. I'm going to take you through some steps. I am extremely practical. If you want profound have my husband back. He'll give you the profound. I'll give you the practical, okay? I'm going to give you a spiritual concept this morning that will change your mindset. It will change your mindset. And if you actually do it, it'll change your life. And I am doing it. I'm in process of doing this right now. So I want to talk to you about creating your world, okay? You're already doing that. You've already done it. You're living in your created world, Okay? You are. And that's very sobering. But it's true. How did I get to where I'm at? You put yourself there. You made decisions that got yourself there. Okay? This is our reality. We have to wake up to the reality, right? So I know grandma, when you, listen, when my grandkids come to my house, they can eat anything they want, anytime they want, whenever they want. Okay? I have no rules about that. With my kids, completely different. But I'm a grandma, right? So at Bella's house, as long as they eat their three meals a day, they can have anything they want, whenever they want, in between, in the middle of the night. I don't care. All right? But when I feed you, when I cook for you, you better eat what I cook for you. Okay? That's the deal. I'll ask you, what do you want to eat? And then if I make it for you, you better eat it. I, I made this meal for you this morning, and I want you to eat it. Okay? All right? Now, there's a little spinach and Brussels sprouts and kale in here. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) We are wired by our creator to create our world because we are just like him. So we actually do this every day in everything that we do in every way by the decisions that we make. If you are not happy with your surroundings, if you are not happy with the world that you are living in right now, you were created by God your Father to change it. Never stay in a situation that is beneath what God has for you or what you want in your life. Don't accept that. When I was growing up, my mother would say to me, you made your bed, now sleep in it. But I say, if you are in a bed that you hate, Get out of bed. Strip the sheets, throw out the mattress, and start over again. Okay? Yeah. Let's not stay in a place that we we thought, man, I made some really bad decisions, and here I am. Okay. That's awesome, because the moment you realize, I got myself in a spot, and I don't really like where I'm living right now. I don't like the spot I'm in. I don't like my job. I don't like my house. I don't like my life. 
okay, you need to get to that place, and then you make a decision. I'm going to undo what I did, okay? And then I'm going to start to plant more seed and make another crop, sow another field, all right? Now, we're creators. We are creators. Say, I am a creator. I am a creator. It's the truth because we're just like our father, and our father is a creator, and nothing else. No one else on the planet, nothing else, no beautiful animal, no gorgeous landscape is like us because we are made in the image and likeness of our Father. And everything he does, he put within us to do ourselves. Okay, do you believe that? So I want to be very practical with you this morning and spiritual. And I want to talk to you about vision. Okay, without vision... You are going to be the most miserable, grumpy, unhappy, grouchy, irritating person because you have no vision. You don't know where you're going. And when we don't have vision, we walk in circles. And when we walk in circles, oh my goodness, we make a rut for ourselves and we become miserable and then we make everybody around us miserable. Every person, you as an individual, have to have a vision for yourself. Then you have to have a vision for your family, a vision for your marriage, a vision for your children, a vision for your grandchildren, a vision for your finances, a vision for your business, a vision for your church, a vision for your community. Without vision, the Bible says, without prophetic vision, people just cast off restraints and they become miserable. And a lot of times we see even in the church, we're so unhappy. Why? Because we're visionless people. And we, we were created to have vision. So my question to you is, what is your vision? And I'm going to show you the difference between vision and goals. Goals help you get to your vision, but vision is not goals. Goals help you get there, but vision is bigger and broader and wider than a goal. And you have to have it. Because without it, you're not going anywhere. You have no direction. You have no destination. You know, our culture, it's all about the journey. Well, let me tell you something. If I don't know where I'm going, I'm not in, I'm like irritated about the journey. So we have friends that go, we love to go to North Carolina and go to the mountains. And our friends love to take the scenic route from Florida to North Carolina. It makes me go out of my mind. I can't do it. I can't do it. Get me on 95 doing 85 miles an hour, get me over to 26 west, doing 85 miles an hour, let me get to my destination. When I'm at my destination, oh, that's a different story. Then I'm getting on the motorcycle with my husband, and we're taking every winding, scenic route, looking and enjoying the mountains and the waterfalls. But on my way, get me where I'm going. We went with him one year. He took us to every barn, I want to show you this beautiful barn, every barn. I was just like, I said to Fred, I'm going out of my mind. I can't do it. So we said, we're parting our ways. We'll meet you there. And once I got to the nearest, I Googled the nearest highway, right? I needed to get to my destination. I was going someplace. I wanted to get there. It's important that you have a destination. So I want to talk to you about vision. What is vision? Vision is something you see before it actually exists. Vision is seeing something that does not exist in the natural, yet you can clearly see it. Where do you see vision? Where do you see it? You see it in your mind's eye. You envision it. All right? This is really important. Vision is seeing something before it actually manifests, before it actually exists. You're sitting here this morning in this church because Pastor Rick and Margie had a vision. That's why you're sitting here in this church, because they had a vision. And if they didn't have a vision, you wouldn't be here. You'd be somewhere else. But they had a vision. And before they even knew your faces or your names, before they even knew that this building, they'd be here. They had a vision. They came to us and said, it's time for us to go and start a church. They had a vision. Okay, this is important. It exists in your mind's eye. You envision it. You can see it. 
in your mind's eye as if it's as real as possible. All right? So how do we get vision? How do we get it? You get vision from hearing the voice of God. That's how you get vision. You hear his voice. You speak what you hear. You do what you say. You hear the voice of God. You speak what you hear. You do what you say. All right? This is really important. Now, how do we get vision? So I'm going to consolidate. I'm going to give you five minutes of life coaching for free. All right? How do we get vision? Because if you don't know how to hear the voice of the Father, then you walk around in a circle and you get frustrated. You think, I think I heard from God. Well, you have to know the word. God does not speak apart from his word. So if you don't know his word, the word is his language. If you don't know the language of God, then you'll think you're hearing all this and you'll never be sure. So you have to know the word of God because God speaks in the language of his word. Okay? Jesus said, everything I see my father do, I do. Every word I hear my father say, I speak. That's what Jesus said. And he gave us this pattern. How do you get vision? Just do what I do when I walked on the earth. Everything I heard my father say, I said. Everything I saw my father do, I do. I did. Where was the father? The father is invisible. No one could see him. Right? This is vision. So how do we get vision? Okay, number one. If you want to try to hear the voice of God and get vision, the first thing you need to do as humans is step back from your situation and take a look at you. Okay? This is real important. All right? This is life coaching 101. Disassociate yourself from yourself and become an observer of your life rather than a participant. That's not easy to do. You've got to step back and take a good look at where you're at, how you got there, who you're with, why are you doing what you're doing. Okay, step back and take a good look. And, and just say, okay, if I have a different perspective, when I step back, I have a different perspective than when I'm in the middle of things, right? So I want you to step back and have a different perspective. My husband says it, come on up here and look down. So it's like being in an airplane. When you're in an airplane and you look down, doesn't everything look completely different than when you're driving your car and you're stuck on I-4? Right? So when we're in, it's that different perspective. The first thing you need to do is step back and get a different perspective of what you look like and your set of circumstances. Look it from above, looking down. When you get a different perspective, then you can start to understand, all right, different perspective gives you, helps you get a vision. All right, so the first thing you need to do is step back and get a higher perspective. Number two, get rid of the clutter in your life. As Americans, we are the most buying, cluttering, hoarding people on the planet. We have so much stuff. And there is great distraction in our life. So you need to remove the clutter out of your life. When I uh, started school a couple of years ago, they made us do this exercise, and I challenge you all to do it. Every woman, clean out your purse. Clean out your wallet. When they said clean out your wallet, I thought, clean out my wallet? I had, like, credit cards in there I hadn't used forever. I didn't even know I had them anymore. I had all these little receipts that were balled up that my husband wanted that I never gave him because I couldn't find them, but now it's too late, so I threw them out. Yes, okay. You know, I had all kinds of things in there, all kinds of things in my wallet. And then I cleaned out my closet. And, you know, I thought, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to go back into that dress. I know I'm going to wear that dress again. I love that dress. But you know what? If you haven't worn that dress in a year, give it away. All right? I gave away my clothes. I gave away my shoes. I gave away my purses. On the top of my closet, I had all these purses. And I thought, geez, you know, you know, I, I like to wear that kind of sort. But I think, when was the last time I swapped out a purse and used that purse? So I took it down and I gave it away. And my whole closet got cleared out. All right? I decluttered. I decluttered all my junk drawers in the kitchen. I have two junk drawers. And they are junk drawers. And they are, it's amazing. I clean them out. They look 
phenomenal. And then it gets junk again. It's junk drawers, but I regularly clean them out, okay? Clean out your pantry. Clean out your car. It's a scary thing, right? Clear out the clutter in your life. Why? Because they're distractions. And by doing this, you put your brain in a state of rest. And if you want to hear from God, then your brain and your soul needs to be in a state of rest. Otherwise, you will not be able to hear clearly because you have fear, flight, fight, and freeze going on every single day in that part of your brain. What do I have to fight? What do I have to flee from? What do I have to fear? What do I have to freeze from? Okay? Declutter your life. Number three, let go and release things. This is hard for us because not only do we need to release our past failures, but we need to release our past successes because our past successes will keep us in a frame of mind that says, hey, this is working. This worked once. Why shouldn't I keep doing it? And it puts us in a mindset that we're not open to any change at all. Okay, so this is very, very important to learn how to release. We develop bat patterns in our brain that are so ingrained that says, this is the way it's done. We've always done it this way. We're always going to do it this way. This is the right way. And it might not be bad. I'm not talking about a bad thing. Right? Did you ever hear maybe somebody in your family? My dad told us, we always eat together on Sundays. We're always going to eat together on Sundays. I don't want to hear nothing else. I'm like, yeah, Dad, we're doing it. We're going to do it. We got it. But this is a new generation. So we're, the way we eat together on Sundays looks a little bit different than it did. And it was so hard for him to make the transition because we all ate together on Sundays. But all the kids brought their friends, and they came late, and they did all kinds of things that we never did. They sat at the table and talked to each other and threw things at each other across the table and laughed and did all kinds of crazy things. And the kids ran back and forth under our feet, under the dining room table, and my father would just like, he would tell me, Phil, you got to do something about this. I said, no, Dad, this is family, man. This is it. you got to be flexible. Okay, but this is the way we always did it. I know, but we're not doing it like that no more. Was that a bad thing? No. It was a good thing, all right? It's just a different time. So letting go and releasing the past is very important because if we're going to change and we're going to get vision, we have to be willing to let go of that mindset so God could give us a new vision and a new word in order for us to move forward. And so this is really important. Listen to this. Fear is truth on pause. Fear is truth on pause. So God tells you, I want you to do something. And you say, I know, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if that happens? And no, what if that happens? Oh my God, you know, what if this happens? And you know, we never did it like that before. I think we should just do what we've been doing because what we've been doing is working. Why should we change it? If it's not broke, we shouldn't fix it. Let you, no, I don't want to do anything at all. So what's holding you back from moving forward with what God is telling you to do? It's your fear. And it's fear of failure. Let me tell you, failure is awesome. It is. I've learned this in my life. Failure is awesome because failure teaches me, okay, that didn't work. Don't do that again. It didn't work. Do something different. And if I didn't fail, I wouldn't know that. So I'm good with failure now. It's like I don't beat myself up when I fail. I think, wow, I really thought this would work. And it was a disaster. Good, I won't do that again. Cross that off my list. Move forward, okay? Fear is truth on pause. It freezes you from doing what God wants you to do. Pastor Rick and Margie have heard this forever. Your future is not dependent upon your past. It is dependent upon your future, your vision. Listen, I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you did. I don't care how many mistakes you made. I don't care. I, everybody has a story, but your story doesn't define you. Your vision defines you. Okay? So we all have a story. I could tell you all my failures. I could tell you all the terrible things and the bad decisions that I made. I know. Could you believe? 
But you have to grow up one day and say, okay, made a bad decision. But it doesn't define who I am. My future is not dependent on my past. It's dependent on my vision. If you don't have a vision, then you're stuck. So I want to unstuck you this morning and make sure that you're full of vision before you leave church this morning. Amen? So you're going to step back. You're going to remove the clutter. You're going to let go. Your future is not dependent. You want to make new pathways in your brain so that you can hear the word of the Lord. All right? We are made in his image and likeness. No other creature on the planet is like us. We are made in his image and likeness. New thoughts dispel old thoughts. They replace old thoughts. Let go of the old thoughts so the new thoughts can come and take root in your brain. And number four is say yes to a new way of thinking. Right? Say yes to a new way of thinking. Right? You guys probably don't like this show, but I love Say Yes to the Dress. It's my, it's my, um, I'm so exhausted and tired that I just want to watch nothing. And so I put that on, and the, the girl that comes out with the $20,000, you know, wedding dress on, my logical mind says, girl, you are out of your mind, because if you have $20,000, you shouldn't be spending it on a dress. But I don't do that when I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm exhausted. I'm like, yes, say yes to the dress. Say yes to that new thing, right? I want to encourage you, say yes to the new thoughts, what you're hearing, even if what you're hearing seems like, really, God? Wow, God, you think, you? oh, I don't know, CR, we really don't realize when the word says take every thought captive because God's speaking to us about vision and your vision is great. God doesn't give you little vision. He gives you great vision. He makes sure that he gives you vision that without him, it's impossible to do. So know that up front. He's not giving you a vision that you could do out of your own strength, that you could do all by yourself. No, you need help to get this vision done. But if you won't even hear it, then you won't even be able to put that picture out before your, your eyes, okay? So this is how we hear from the word of God, okay? You got that? Step back, right? Declutter, let go and release the past, success and failure, and say yes to hearing the voice of God. Posture yourself, you got to put yourself in a position to hear from the Lord. And in order to hear from the Lord, you've got to get quiet. Your brain has to get quiet. Your soul has to get quiet. That's why I want you to do this. Step back. Because you got to quiet your soul. You need to let go of all those distractions. You need to declutter your life. You need to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I don't even understand this. But I know I'm hearing your voice, so I'm going to do it. So we get to vision. So let me go back. Vision is seeing something before it actually exists. You see it in your mind's eye. You hear the voice of God. You speak what you hear. You do what you say. Hear, speak, do. It's easy. Hear, speak, do. Okay? You must have God's ear in order to have his eye. If you don't have God's ear, you're not going to see what he sees. So God speaks something to me and instantly, I envision something. I see what he sees. It's like, wow, God, this is awesome. How's this going to happen? Okay? Right? How's this going to happen, God? And then he starts to explain to me how this is going to unfold. But the hearing of his voice in my ear opens up my eyes to see. And then what comes out of my mouth, light and revelation flood my mind and come out of my mouth. And all of a sudden, I'm telling everybody what God is speaking to me. And the reaction might be, really? Are you kidding me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. But listen, this is so important that we have vision hearing the voice of God. Now, once you have a vision and God speaks to you, then you've got to back up and think, okay, here I am. The vision is way out there, and I'm here. Now I've got to take steps, goals, every goal to get from where I am 
to where I'm going. And this is where goals come in. You need to mark your goals. You need to write them down. You need to be clear. Okay? So what's the first thing we need to do? We have a vision from the Lord, right? The next thing we have to do after we have vision is we have to project our vision so that you see what I see. Right? Pastor, Pastor Rick and Margie come and tell Pastor Fred, Margie and I want to go start a church. Okay. They're starting to share their heart and their desire with us. Okay. So we send them out to DeLand, Orange City, to start a church. They started in a different building. They were working through, progressing through their vision that God gave to them. Right? If you don't start somewhere, how did you end up here? They didn't know about this place when they started. They had no idea about this church. They didn't know this building. They didn't know they had an opportunity. God didn't tell them that. He just said, go out and start a church. Right? It unfolded as they walked out there. But when we sat and spoke to them, we started to see what they see. Projection of your vision is key to having your vision come true. It's just like all this stuff. Okay, so you sit in your computer and you download all this stuff, right? That computer, your computer, we all have stuff in our computer, right, that we've downloaded. And we don't know what's in that computer. I have no idea what's in the computer in the sound room until light comes through the lens of that computer and they project it up on the screen and all of a sudden we all see what's in the computer, Does that make sense to you? We project it. You must project your vision. You must articulate what God has spoken to you in a way with passion and with faith so that it gets caught by somebody else as you're speaking and projecting your vision. Now, this is how, let me just show you some of how this is done in the Bible. And I have a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to refer to them with you, okay? So, Romans 4.17 says this. God is speaking to Abraham in the New Testament. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed. Listen, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. How do we do this? Listen, we're Christians. We're believers. Our whole life is calling things that don't exist yet into existence. And... I'm just loving this. My husband turned me on to this. My husband is really, really smart. So he understands this at a different level than me. But he kept telling me, you got to read about quantum physics. I'm like, I don't even understand regular physics. He goes, no, it's not like regular physics. It's quantum physics. I, I don't like math. I don't like science. I don't like that. So anyway, he brings me this little book. And I, I have devoured this tiny little book. I read it almost every night. I'm telling you now. In the invisible world of protons and neutrons and electrons that we can't see, everything is moving. And all the substance is already there. We need to speak it into existence. And because of our observation and because we're looking at it, speaking into it, it starts to come together and take form. This is the truth scientifically. I'm telling you this right now. So he says to Abraham... You have to call those things that do not exist as if they are. So now, if you would just in your most amazing voice, just read to me, to all of them, Ezekiel 37. And let's just close your eyes and picture this happening to you, okay? The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath into you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then I said, then God, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Can you see it? This is the pattern that God gave us throughout the Bible. This is a pattern. God says to Ezekiel, come here. I want to show you something. What do you see? I don't see nothing, God. I see bones, dry, dead bones. That's not what God saw. That's not what God saw. And he's, God says to him, I want you to speak and prophesy to the bones, to the deadness, to something that doesn't yet exist. Speak what, God? They're dead. They're dry. But God was giving him vision. Ezekiel was starting to see what God saw. And he said he spoke to the bones. He spoke to those dead, dry bones. And uh, this is such a pattern. I want you to hold on to this because by the end, I'm going to show you how this all comes together. When God gives you vision, you've got to prophesy to that vision. You've got to speak that vision. You've got to tell everybody, let me tell you what God told me. I want to tell you what God showed me. I want to tell you what God revealed to me, right? Something happened when I read your email last week. I'm going to tell you, faith rose up inside of me because I say, I can see what you saw. Seeing what you, projecting what your vision is and seeing what you saw is the very essence of this. Okay, you know the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, God's going to take him away. And Elisha wants his mantle. He wants his anointing. And he follows him all over the place. And Elijah finally says to him, look, I can't give you this. I can't give you what you want. This is what he said. If you see what I see when I'm taken then it's yours. Because see, this is not something somebody can give you. You got to see it. And you transliterate that to the original language. It literally says, if you, it's our Bible say, if you see me when I go, he said, if you see in the spirit, the vision that I've been trying to project to you all these years, if you see what I see, it's yours. And Elisha, we know the story. He saw the chariots of God come and sweep up Elijah. And he said, ah, my father, my father, the chariots of God. And Elijah, I could just imagine, looked down and said, you got it, buddy. And the mantle fell on him. And listen, this has nothing to do with this, but this is an important concept anyway. Learn this. Elisha stripped himself of his own clothes. We do not layer in the kingdom. You want a new mantle? You want a new anointing? You want a new vision? You got to get rid of the way you used to things, how you used to dress, how you used to talk, because we don't layer our clothes in the spirit. He stripped himself. Was there anything wrong with Elisha's mantle? Nothing. But it wouldn't serve him where he needed to go. And God, he stripped himself and picked up Elijah's mantle and put it on and struck the waters and the waters parted. Because Elisha saw what Elijah saw in the spirit. Okay, Ezekiel saw what God saw, the impossible, <laughs> a valley of dry bones. The impossible came and became an exceedingly great army. Why? Because he spoke what he heard God speak to him in vision. You getting this? So you have to have vision. You got to project your vision. Number three, we got to hurry. You have to frame your vision. You got to put your vision in boundaries, okay? Outline it, blueprint it, strategize it, make a plan, make a map, know where you're going, put boundaries around it. Very important. When you put a frame around a picture, your eye goes to the center of the picture, okay? Victoria is my friend. She's with me today. She's a phenomenal artist, she really is a phenomenal artist, and she painted me a beautiful picture for my office, and it had no frame. 
And I said to her one day, could you frame this? And she framed it. Now, this picture was gorgeous all in and of itself, but she framed it. And you know how many people come into my office and say, wow, what a beautiful painting. It's framed. Your eye goes to the center. You bring focus to the vision. That's why you need to frame your world, frame your vision with the word of God. Hebrews 11.3. Did I give you that? Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Okay. I love that it says, by faith, we understand, because you got to get this. You got to understand this. If you don't understand this, you'll knock your head against the wall, and there's no reason for that. You got to understand that the worlds were prepared. The worlds were framed. There's one translation that literally says the worlds were framed by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. What you're looking for, what you wanted is not seen yet, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You just can't see it yet. It's in a realm of the spirit. Actually, it's right here in a realm that we don't see with our natural eyes, but we can see it in our spirit, in our spirit realm. I could reach right in there and take it because I'm speaking to it and I'm prophesying it. So I start to create my world with the word of God. How do I do this? When I'm doing this, I get every single scripture that pertains to what God told me to do, and I start framing it, okay, writing it out. So I'm framing my vision with the word that God said. So go to work and get the word, all right? We see this. This is how God created the world in Genesis. God had a vision. God the Father had a vision, all right? And I believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were right there, all three. They're all there. God has a vision. He says, this is my vision, God. And God spoke the vision. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be land, and there was land. Let there be trees, and there was trees. He created all the animals, right? Then he said to them, to them, he said to the Son and the Spirit, why don't we, us, make man? Let him look like us, talk like us, act like us, do everything that we can do just like us. Do you get that? They collaborated together. God said, we made, you know, light and darkness and land and the trees and the birds and the ocean and the rivers and the birds and the animals and the whales. It's all awesome. And it awesome is awesome. But now, <laughs> let's the three of us get together and collaborate and make a human being that looks like us, acts like us, thinks like us. And everything we can do, they do. Let them be creative. Like we are creative. This is like so, wow. He developed a framework. Now, you need a framework for your vision. I want you to go get the word of God, scriptures, and frame your world. When you are building a vision for your business, for your family, for your work, for your marriage, for your children, it's important to have boundaries because boundaries are forms of demarcation. They say... Don't cross this line. You need that. You want to maintain the integrity of your vision. In order to remain, to have integrity to your vision, you need to keep the negative out, the naysayers out, the doubt and unbelief out, okay? All the distractions out. There have been times in my life when I kept people out of my life, Christian people out of my life. My husband was going through, you know, you don't really know his testimony, but he was paralyzed from his waist down. In those years, people, good Christian people said, oh, you know, this is, the, this is your cross to bad in life, out. Oh, maybe you have sin. Maybe there's sin in your life. I said, man, I have repented from everything. Out. I, I'm in a warfare. I'm on a mission. I have a vision. My husband is healthy. He's whole. He moves. He, he, every other thing, my vision had boundaries on it. And if you didn't speak my language, and if you weren't putting in the same words that I was, I removed you from my life. I did. Okay, I understand it. My mom said to me, Phil, 
you're like militant. I said, Mom, my husband is paralyzed from his waist down. I need a miracle from God. I have no patience for all this other stuff. Now, you all saw my husband. You've seen him many times. He's not paralyzed. Okay? We got a miraculous healing in his body. I shared this yesterday with these young couples, and one of them, two of them, there were doctors, and they said, can I just interrupt you for a moment? And they explained physiologically what my husband's disease that he had in his spine and his back actually does to the human body and the skeleton. And these two doctors said, what happened to your husband is nothing short of miraculous. It's miraculous, okay? Frame your world. I framed my world. And I said, this is it, God. This is what your word says. I framed it with the word of God. My vision, your vision is new. It's fragile. It's your baby. You've got to protect it. You've got to take care of it. You've got to guard it because it's developing, right? It's in that developing stage. So vision, projection, frame it. Number four, fill it up. Now listen. We love, like, oh, God, God's going to do this. Okay, God is going to do it. He gave you a vision, all right? You're going to project your vision. You're going to frame it with the word. But now you've got to go to work, all right? Because every vision has natural implementation to it. So let me just show you this. I need, like, 15 more minutes. So I hate telling people how old I am, but... I guess three years ago, it must be three years ago. So I was 62 years old, and I have been wanting to do this forever. And my husband and I had a conversation, and he said, I'm tired of hearing you talk about this. Either do it, or let's not talk about it anymore. I was full of my own fear. Okay? I wanted to go back to school. But could I really go back to school? I wasn't a good student when I had a young brain. Now I'm going to go back to school with a 62-year-old brain? I thought, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Do I want to do Do I even want to do this? How important is this anyway? It's not that important. And my fear was just like I was talking myself out of it, right? So I said, if I do this, Fred, our whole life has to change. I cannot take on another major thing. Go to school, do this, do that, do that. He said, okay, we'll change. We'll change. So this is what I did. So I'm telling you this story only for one reason. Don't tell me you're too old. Don't tell me. Man, I should have done that when I was younger. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. But I didn't. So I'm doing it now. Maybe you have a vision in your heart that you've always had burning inside of you. And because of life situations, you never were able to do it. I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, make that vision come alive inside of you and do it now. Do it now. Don't tell me I'm so old. Big deal. Age is totally irrelevant. He's renewing my youth like an eagle. I'm getting stronger every single day. I said, God, you got to help my brain. I'm going to go to school with all these young people. I'm technically challenged. Let me tell you, I did it. I had to change everything. You have to fill up your frame with doing what you need to do. For me, I had to go back to school. Okay, and I just did it, and I'm still doing it. I'm in the middle of making a business. I never had a business. I've always been in the ministry. We gave everything away. We always give everything away. Now they're telling me you have to charge people. I'm like, I don't charge people. Well, you have to charge people. You're building a business. What do you think? The money's going to fall out of heaven? <sighs> okay? It's a new thing. It's a new time for me. I had to change my mindset. I had to change my mindset. You got to fill it up. Now, what does that mean? You might have to go back to school. You need to make connections. You need to do what you need to do in the natural. All right? We can't say, oh, God's going to do everything for me. No, you got to fill up your space with education, with your due diligence, getting your finances in order, making contracts. You got to do whatever it's going to do to make your vision come to pass. Right? James. Thank you. James 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, 
without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, I love faith people. I consider myself a faith people, but faith people, come on, man. Let's get balanced. You got to balance your faith with your works. Get up and do something. Get up and go to work. Get up and go to school. Go make the contacts. Do the due diligence. Do what you got to do. It's not falling out of heaven. I have news for you. God wants our faith, putting our faith to work. Putting our faith to work. Doing what you, what's hard to do, what you're afraid to do, what's fearful to do, what's just like way out of your comfort zone. Way out of your comfort zone. Guess what? You have no idea what God has in mind with, for you unless you step out and go do that thing, which might not make so much sense, but it's vision, right? God wants you to move out and do that. So I found myself in a room with two to 3,000 20 and 30-year-olds that are all like into yoga. And I thought, what am I doing here? Like, I found the most open people that I ever met that wanted to hear truth. What an opportunity God gave me. What an opportunity he's given me because I did something that, okay. And I had people tell me, why are you doing this now? Don't you think you're too old to do this? You should have did this when you were, you know, 30. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I was raising kids and running a church and doing all that other stuff. But it doesn't matter. Don't you think you're a little bit too old? I said, no. You know what? I think that I have enough life experience and wisdom now that I'm better than any 20 or 30 or 40 or 50-year-old out there. I'm just saying. Okay, listen. We got to mix the word with faith and go to work. I love this story in 1 Chronicles, the 28th and 29th chapter. King David really wanted to build a temple for God. And God said, you can't do it. You're a man of war and you can't do it. Listen, learn this lesson. It's David could have went, poor me. I tried so hard. I won all these wars. I did all this stuff. And now at the end of my life, all I want to do for God is build him a temple. And he said, no, but that is not what he did. Do not take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. David didn't take no for an answer. He went and bought a warehouse. I'm telling you the truth. Read it. He went and bought a warehouse and he started gathering up material and wood and clothing and cloth and everything that his son would need to build God a temple. Everything. Okay? He had vision. He said, I've seen this temple. He made blueprints and drawings for Solomon so he could look at it. He told Solomon, you'll need to get this from there and that from there. I'll get as much of it as you can while I'm still alive. But there's other stuff you're going to have to do. But he gave him a blueprint. He framed out the world. He gave him a strategy and he got the stuff all together. Can you see that? This is such a pattern in the word. He gave him everything he needed. And when Solomon built that temple, it was even greater than what David could imagine. You know why? He took his daddy's vision and all this daddy's stuff that he left for him. And that gave Solomon such vision. See, vision is generational. That's what's the difference between a vision and a goal. A goal is about getting the job done, but vision is about your kids. It's about your grandchildren. It's leaving a legacy. It's not just about you, but it's about your children and your great. It's about this community. That's what vision is about. So I, when I see these bumper stickers, I'm spending my children's inheritance. These are people with no vision. They're people with no vision. I'll spend all my money and do whatever and ever I'm doing. Look, babe, what you should be doing is what you're doing. And have plenty in the bank for your kids as well. Because a wise man, this is what the word says, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I'm thinking about my grandbabies. What am I leaving for them? We're Christians. We're creators. We're in the made in the image and likeness of God. 
right? We want to be like our father. This is vision. It's generational. David put such a vision into Solomon that it was the most awesome temple ever. Do you know that Elisha did more Old Testament uh, uh, miracles than any other Old Testament pro uh, prophet? Elisha raised people from the dead in the Old Testament. Elijah did it once, but Elisha did it twice. Okay? And even after he was dead. Woo! Amazing. Why? Because he caught a vision. He caught a vision. He projected that vision. He framed that vision with the word of God, and he kept filling it up with all the things necessary that we need to do to make your vision come to life. Does this make sense to you? Okay, so number five, the last one. Okay, God, are you exhausted yet? I'm so tired. Oh, God, I've done all this work. I got your vision from the Lord. I've projected it. Other people see it. I framed it with the word. I've been speaking the word and speaking the word and speaking the word and speaking the word. And then I'm doing all this stuff. A man in faith to my works. Now, when you've done everything that you can do, then God shows up on the scene and says, you did a good job. Now I'm going to do what you can't do. Okay? Now we want God to do what he can't what we can't do in step one, but he ain't doing it then. And then we want step two, definitely by step four, because now I'm so tired. God, when are you going to show up? I've been speaking the word and doing this for so long. When are you going to do what only you can do when you're finished doing what you can do? Okay? We have to understand this. When we've done all to stand, when we've done all to project and frame and fill it, that God shows up and does what only God can do. And I want to show you this. This is in Genesis, the first through third chapters. This, this is the gospel according to Phyllis. I'm just saying, okay? You'll, you'll figure it out and deal with it after I leave, okay? God showed this. I believe this. I, I really believe this. God showed us this pattern. Okay? In, in these chapters, in Genesis uh, 127, God created man in his image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. He created them out of the same substance that he made himself out of. It says it. He made it out of the same substance of himself. So I believe that when he made them, when he made Adam and Eve was in Adam, I believe they were light beings because they were made out of the same spirit life that God was made out of and Jesus and the spirit. They, they walked with him. They talked with him. They saw him. They communed with him. They did everything with him. They were all together. The garden, if you understand Genesis, it's like, wow, you can understand the whole Bible, okay? He made them just like him. Read it. It says he communed with Adam in the cool of the day. He said, Adam, you see all this stuff I made, all these animals? He said, sit here. I'm going to let them just parade before you, and you name them, and whatever you call them is what they are. Why? Because Adam was using all of his brain power, because he was just like God. He was in that creative mode. Nothing stopped him. Nothing hindered him. He was just like his father. He was just like his maker. And he did all of that, right? So, and God made a three-dimensional world and put Adam in a three-dimensional world. We live in a three-dimensional world. But Adam is a light being, okay, like God. So he said, okay, now Adam. Now this is the gospel according to Phyllis. You understand, right? Okay. So he says, okay, in chapter 2 of Genesis, right? I think it's in 2. Yeah, 2-7, he says this. I love it. He said, listen, guys, look. And I, th and I think that Adam is kind of like watching God. He says, and God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So he got together some dust and water, clay, and he made a head, and he made shoulders, and he made two arms, and he made a torso, and he made two legs and feet and toes, and framed out, he framed out man out of the dust of the ground. Okay? Then he filled him up. He gave him a brain, 
gave him a heart and lungs and kidneys and a pancreas and a reproductive system and lungs and all the other stuff that we have. He put in a whole, like, uh, vein system, endocrine system and skeleton form. And just, wow, here he was. Framed him. Read it. He framed him. And he filled him. Right? Took his vision. Spoke it, projected it. What did it need? And then it said, and God, (sighs) and Adam became a living being. Now, I think that like being, he just (sighs) right into that frame that he made. Because Adam needed, was created to rule and reign and have authority over the earth. And you can't rule and reign and have authority and be a light being. You got to have a body because we rule and reign here. And I believe he breathed Adam into, and he became (gasps) breath. Can you see that picture? Now, God, the creator, did this. Here's your vision. You've projected it. I see what you see. I see what you see. I really do. Frame it with the word of God. Fill it with all the necessary. And then wait and say, God, come and breathe on this vision. Come and breathe on these bones. Come and breathe on this church. Come and breathe on this community. Come and do what only you can do that I can't do, but I can do through you because I did everything you told me to do. You get that? You understand? So what about you? What about your vision for yourself? A vision for me. I'm living my vision, my new vision right now. I'm living it. I'm speaking it. I speak abundance and prosperity over my business every single day. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be a benefactor so that all the things that I do, I can give because I have so much that I don't need it to live off of. I'm just going to be a conduit to give it to everyone around me. I can see it. I can smell it. I can touch it. I know what it feels like to have so much that all I do is my greatest thing is, Lord, who, where, how? When? Tell me. I'll do it. I Now, that's my vision. That's my vision now. Okay? My business is prospering. My husband's business is prospering. Our church in Daytona Beach is prospering. We need to go to two to three services a week because we're prospering. This place needs to go to two to three services a week because you're, you're impacting the community for Jesus Christ. What is your vision for yourself? What is your vision? You have to have vision until you're 100 years old and you close your eyes and die. My husband blessed me this morning. He went out with his biker guys yesterday. And, you know, his, his friends are, are unique. And <laughs> one of his friends who I would have considered a carnal Christian. I mean, you know, they're Christians. I'm not saying they're not Christians, but they're really carnal. And he said, I'm retired now. And now that I'm retired, I'm focusing on my relationship with the Lord. And it's like, Pastor Fred, all the things that you taught us and said to us, man, I never got it because my focus was always making money. But now I'm retired and my focus is on the Lord. And I'm finding out all these things that were right there always, but I just never paid any attention to them. And it's changing my life. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. See, God is so good. It don't matter if you blew it. Because this guy, you know, here he is. God's given him another chance to just be the breath of God breathing into him and him becoming alive. And I said to him, I said to Fred, man, you need to encourage him. He's a wealthy man. From now till he dies, God could do extraordinary things with him now that he has an understanding of who he is in Christ. Are you getting this this morning? Does this help you? I want you to write down a vision. I want you to go home today and in between your naps say, okay, God, (laughs) give me a vision. Husbands and wives talk to each other. I want a vision for our future, a vision for our finances, a vision for this church, a vision for the community. And when you get it and when you project it and when you frame it and when you feel it, God will breathe on it. He'll breathe on it and it'll be greater than you ever imagined it could be. Amen? Could you stand with me for just a moment? Put your hand on your heart.
take a deep breath. Mm. Say, thank you, Lord. Change my mind. Change my mind. I want to hear your voice. I want new vision. Give me new vision. Open my ears to hear your voice. I will speak what I hear. I will do what I say. And you will breathe on it and make it an exceedingly great army. My vision will come to pass. And I receive it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.